0: That's not the song. Jeremy, we're back again. It's here to be your best wingman. Hey, there it is. That's much better. That's much better. Hey, JT. (laughs) What's up, buddy? (laughs) Hey, it's
1: it's a good time. It's a good time. We're already halfway to
0: Halloween as we measure the month of October. Uh, That makes no sense. It makes no sense that it's the middle of October right now. It also doesn't make sense that this is our 21st episode. I realized that like 20 went by last week and we didn't do any fanfare, which I think is probably fine, but 20 is a lot. I'm, I think we're like, that's how have we done this so many times already?
1: Funny you say that right when we finished last week. So I was like, ah, we should have said something. <laughs> so, ah, we said something. Hey, Yay! congratulations <laughs> to us. Thanks for uh, being with us this whole time. We're uh, we're having a lot of fun with this. We we hope you're enjoying, and as always, your feedback, input, insights, inquiries, ink, whatever you got, we'll take if it starts with an ink sound. Yeah, went nowhere.
0: Yeah, and (laughs) well, it's okay. Any ink sound, we're we're here for. What I'm most here for, though, is this week's. Would you watch? Hmm. Would you watch now? JT, when
1: I so confidently brought to the table last week Would You Watch The Man With One Red Shoe, starring Sir Tom Hanks, I, um, I really remember liking this movie a lot and feeling like in my head it's just sitting there waiting to be talked about. And then this week, while I was listening to last week's about Wildcats, I was like, oh, wow, I really knew Wildcats. And as I started putting together my notes on uh, Man With One Red Shoe, I really don't know this movie. I mean, I've seen it many times as per the category, but I don't, there's going to be some blurs. So we're just going to have to deal with it. July 19th, 1985, a Metacritic score of 31. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, you know, I, I never said any of these are good movies. In fact, very few of them are good movies. Uh, actually I, I and it was pointed out to me. I, I do think Wildcats is worth a watch. Definitely we'll keep an eye out for her on cable. This one, on the other hand, might not be. Well, let's find out. Here's our cast Tom Hanks, Dabney Coleman, who's you know in lots of 80 stuff. We'll talk about him in a second. Laurie Singer, Charles Derning, Carrie Fisher, Ed Herman, who did a bunch of stuff. He was actually in Lost Boys from last week. He was Max. He was the uh the head of the vampires or whatever. Oh, oh, okay. That guy. And, uh, and the young Jim Belushi. And this will be an interesting moment to say, growing up as an 80s child, I had way more familiarity with Jim Belushi than John Belushi. It was only actually in my 20s, as I started getting exposed to the 70s, the movies of the 70s, that I really started to understand that, uh, A, both talented, but John like at an amazing level of, of comedic talent. But anyhow, Jim's in this one, and, uh, and it's okay. Movies directed by Stan Dragotti. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. He directed Mr. Mom with Michael Keaton, who we talked about recently. Now, uh, interesting about this guy's directing career, not a lot of hits. Mr. Mom was probably the the biggest movie he did. And then I went looking, and, and the whole rest of his career, again, by all standards, eh. By the standards of being able to be a Hollywood director, way to go, dude. He also spent 11 years of his life married to one Cheryl Teague's. From age 23 to 34. So, just saying. That's all. So, okay, let's go. Tom Hanks is a hapless dude in The Man with One Red Shoe, just living his life. This is where I got stuck. Tom Hanks, (laughs) hapless dude, living his life. That's where I stopped writing. I said, all right, let me go pull up the IMDb just so I can have my facts. I needed to get the year and the cast and all that. And there happened to be a still image of him holding a violin. I was like, oh, yeah. So he's a hapless violinist. So in the movie, he's going somewhere, maybe a performance. Maybe he's coming from a performance. It requires a violin. Anyhow, it's in some place. Could be New York City. Could be San Francisco. I mean, it could be Sydney, Australia, except it's the 80s. And the only part of Australia that existed was wherever Mr. Crocodile Dundee was from, which I think is Wallaby Creek. It's the 80s. (laughs) I mean, look, internationally in the 80s, all we really have is the United States of America, some parts of Canada, some parts of Europe. We've been to Colombia for, uh, for Romancing the Stone. We had a glimpse of Tokyo for a couple movies here and there. The Wilderness of Africa from the Gods Must Be Crazy and some kind of swampish desert thing in the outback of Australia. That is the entire world according to 80s movies. That's the known world. Sounds about right. So as it turns out... Uh, Whatever my fond faint memories of this movie, it's one of these mixer-upper stories. So Tom Hanks is tagged by someone as a foreign spy, and by foreign I mean Russian because it's the eighties. Uh, I think Dabney Coleman is the guy who tags him. Like I- I'm pretty sure what happens is uh, Dabney Coleman's like some counter spy. He thinks he's trying to find an actual spy, mixes him up with Tom Re- Tom Hanks, and that's that. And remember, by the way, Dabney Coleman is the Uh, being an antagonist is this primary job of the eighties. He is generally in a trench coat and beware the Dabney Coleman. That's all I got on him. (laughs) So now Tom Hanks is, you know, doing stuff and Laurie Singer is a counter spy. Now, again, here to my notes, Laurie Singer was in like all the eighties stuff, all of it. But now to show you how bad memory actually is when I went looking up her career, not true. She was only in like two things and, that was kind of that. And she was sisters to Mark Singer, who was in V and Beastmaster, who also, in my memory, was big in the 80s. But that's really all he did, too. So back to our movie. Laurie is, I don't know, a agent, a double agent, something. She's set to really, like, take uh, close tabs on Mr. Hanks and his shoe. By the way, the whole way the movie is titled is Tom Hanks is so hapless that at some point he's wearing mixed-up shoes, maybe on his way to the performance, And so when Dabney Coleman is on some walkie talkie thing saying who to go after the only signature element is the man with one red shoe. I'm also now in actually, as we're speaking pretty confident when I say it wasn't Dabney Coleman who tagged him, someone else did as like a ruse and Dabney has fallen for the ruse. So, Mm. but this is like, we're going real time right now. Anyhow. um, So that Lori Singer spying on it, by the way, it's a red converse. Saw that. Okay, so Lori's now his girlfriend and spying on him, but she's secretly fallen for for our hapless violinist because he's harmless in every way. And lots and lots of hijinks ensue, sort of like a Keystone Cop's level of incompetence by these spies or the NSA or the Secret Service or whatever it is. But it might be a lot of fun. I, I don't really know. I don't really remember why I liked it. I just sort of did. And yeah, our loose plot is held together via these hijinks. It's like from scene to scene to scene. There's some kind of concerto or recital at the end. And obviously the spies and the musicians are all colliding worlds. And there's a big shakedown thing, maybe at the performance. And now our real spy maybe is here, whoever they're actually chasing. And Laurie Singer probably saves Tom Hanks' life. I want to say there's a scene where maybe the violin case saves someone's life or something like that. But that could just be making it up. Now, anyhow, she's fallen in love with him and he's now proven to just be the Patsy and they get to be together and he's no longer chased by the spies. Uh, but I think this final movie ends with like some other spy now chasing Dabney Coleman. I don't know. There you go. Okay. So,
0: would you see that? Um. No, question mark? I don't know. I don't know. I... I have I have some questions first. Yeah, as one should. First and foremost, I want to say I have no memory of this being a movie at all.
1: Bare- barely me, also, as we <laughs> found out apparently. <laughs> and apologies to anyone who was counting on me for a really good rendition of this <laughs> week's entry.
0: Like, dude, I looked this up and looked at the looked at the cover art and then watched one trailer and went no. No, this is like yeah. this. Just didn't this didn't happen. So this movie looked more '80s than any other movie you picked for some reason, and I don't mm. know where it was in the '80s. Like, was it early, early '80s? No, it's '85.
1: And the reason you're saying that, by the way, is whenever people picture the '80s, they're really picturing like like 1984 to
0: 1992.
1: Yeah, '80 80 to '83 is really more like the '70s.
0: Yeah, because this one, for some reason, I don't know if it was the way it was filmed or maybe just because the trailer wasn't remastered or something. But like watching it, I was like, oh, this is like the 80s we don't talk about. It's not great. Uh, I also had no idea who that woman was for a second. I'm like, is that like a baby, baby Daryl Hannah? Because she kind of had like a Daryl (laughs) Hannah thing going on, but not really. And then like there was a a head on shot. And I was like, nope, that is that is not Daryl Hannah. (laughs) Just the same hair. Yeah, it was like it was just in the first shot, but there was a lot of good '80s stuff in the trailer. Like, uh, you know, there's a lot of buses, which was interesting. A lot of people on yeah. buses. There was again with some pay phones. Love a good pay phone. Oh, I I think there's a bus scene where like they're
1: chasing Tom Hanks, and he like just barely gets on in time. It's an accident, if I'm not mistaken. But the spies all think they like he eluded them.
0: Yeah. And then I think he's like talking to her on the bus and like she's coming clean about being an agent or double agent or something. Huh. And there was mass confusion in his face, but very Tom Hanksy. Yeah, that feels right. Yeah. The only other note I had was love, love any any Belushi sighting. I'm totally into. So you, you
1: know the the best part here is you could be making up stuff in the trailer right now. And they'd be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, oh yeah, no, the scene where they jump off the bridge. Oh yeah, that's the great <laughs> onto the onto the trash. Boats? Yeah.
0: <laughs> you just you just described every Jackie Chan movie ever. <laughs> so so my one my big question isn't actually related to this movie, but what I thought would be fun is I tried to think of other I'm not a spy spy movies. And so I want I want you to fast rank five movies and you tell me where this one falls in the realm of these other films. Last.
1: all right let's hear the list
0: okay i think it is going to be last but i want you to do the other four are also interesting so man with the red shoe obviously spies like us get smart true lies and burn after reading didn't see burn after reading (gasps) that can't be true
1: well many things are true some of them are just unfortunate
0: that is unfortunate Mm.
1: You want to swap something else in for this and then I'll put on the list of things I should watch? No. Okay. So, no, I, I, well, we're, Spies Like is, Us. Oh, I'm ready. Spies Like Us, True Lies. Uh, wait, what was the other one? Get Smart. Spies Like Us, True Lies, Burn After Reading, Get Smart, Man with One Red Shoe.
0: <laughs> Even though you haven't seen Burn After Reading, you're still going to put it third? <laughs>
1: yeah, because Get Smart the movie was not very good oh i actually thought it was cute i'm not saying it's okay well look it's got yes it, it hits that cute level but doesn't go past it and okay. your reaction to me not seeing having seen burn after reading and made it sound really important i don't know if you just would you have said that if I had not seen get smart
0: no god gosh no
1: so there you go and spies like us is on
0: top because it's spies like us Right, and tr- I, so I thought, I, I wasn't sure if two. True Lies would get above Spies Like Us because I happen to think True Lies is a pretty underrated movie. I was not confident you had seen Get Smart, but I would have absolutely bet the house that you saw Burn After Reading, so I'm surprised.
1: Mm, no, and I like I like uh, True Lies a lot. I also agree it's underrated. It's it's definitely one of Arnie's better, uh, better romps, but Spies Like Us is, uh, you know, classic. It's your guy too. It's It's all my people's. All yeah. my peoples. It's your guy. I, well, I, I maintain that that was the best time for comedy, was that mid 70s to mid 80s? We had a nice resurgence in the late 90s, early 2000s, but that was like comedy heyday.
0: Yeah, I think it's different because the rules were different, right? Like, yeah. I think you could, you could, you were allowed to be funnier in the 80s with sort of unapologetically funny. Now, at some point, I just want to bookmark this because at some point, we should do a Coen Brothers thing. Because I don't know mm. where you fall in the Coen Brothers world, but like for some reason, I felt like because Burn After Reading is just a—it's a very Coheny Brother movie. Like, so if you're not into that thing, you're gonna hate it. I think I've seen—I
1: would guess I've seen about sixty percent of their work. I okay. like most of it. I don't like some of the ones that a lot of people other other people do. I didn't like—I um, didn't like Hudsucker Hutsu- Proxy, for example. Oh, same. Um, I actually
0: didn't either. So to answer answer the big question, uh, would you watch that? The answer is no, I wouldn't. All right. I kind of want
1: to rewatch it without recommending it. I kind of want to rewatch it just to see how much worse it is than anything. I remember it being, because I'm guessing it's much worse. Probably. All right. All right. Now we know you won't watch that. The question is next week. Are you up for me pitching you? And remember, if you've seen one, you must must identify. Yep. I bought two new ones. I've reorganized my list in no particular order just to try to keep the variety coming. Have you seen either, and this is barely in the eighties, dead calm, no dead calm or stand and deliver.
0: Oh, stand and deliver is feeling familiar, but I can't place if it actually is, or if it just has a lot of words that I know are in movies.
1: It's a it's a school related movie. I won't say what where they go with it, but it happens in schools.
0: Yeah, well so it's funny cuz you I went to Lean on Me when you said it.
1: It's it's it would be in the unofficial, I'm sure there's like the unofficial high school whatever trilogy that would be Lean on Me, Stand Deliver and uh maybe the no, Dangerous Minds? Dangerous Minds. Interesting. Well, oh, I like this I want to develop that theory later. So there's... Uh, I could. What do you want? What do you want, man? Come on, pick. Who's the pick, Who's pick. the
0: lead? Who's the lead? Edward James Olmos. Okay, I've, I've seen that. I have seen that. Okay, Calculus. so we'll do that. So we'll do that. Uh, no,
1: no, no. <laughs> I swap in. I swap in another entry. Uh, the next one on the list is. Oh, I definitely will not have remembered this well enough. I'm just going to. I'm going to take Once Bidden off the list only because I don't. I don't think you've seen it, but I don't think I can remember it any better than the shoe movie here.
0: I certainly haven't seen it, so that's fine.
1: It would be fun to do, but I, I know I It's. I would sort of end it by saying like vampires and stuff. So um, <laughs> I'm just taking that off the list. How about, so Deadcom, how about Deadcom versus, oh, this is the next one. We talked about this a little bit while ago, The Last Starfighter.
0: Oh, that. I want you to do that one. Okay. It's a good pick,
1: actually. It's going to be a lot of fun.
0: The the next thing is that last week I got to do a So I Just Watched, which was Ford versus Ferrari because you kept bringing it up, or it just kept naturally coming up, I should say. And so now this week you're going to do a So I Just Watched of The Big Sick, which I'm so excited to hear you talk about this. And I do have a series of questions for the end, but I want you to first sort of just give me the, the Jeremy summary of what you thought.
1: You got it, and it's and it is a little short because I want to give you time on on the questions, which I know you've prepped on, and I know you like this movie so much that I want to give you that give you some time. All right, so I watched The Big Sick. I liked it a lot. It was well done. There were good performances across the board. Uh, a little leaning in on some tropes, which you can actually tell because anytime you read or see interviews with, and I'm I'm I've tried pronoun- re pronouncing his name several times, Kumail Nanjiani. Correct. Nailed it. Nailed Thank it. You. Every time you see or read interviews with him, he actually fesses up pretty quickly, like that the conflicts of the parents weren't nearly as dramatic like it was dramaticized for the purpose of telling a good story. But I'm okay with that because he's so straight up about it. He's not it's not like one of those like years later it comes out nothing was true. He's just more like, yeah, we made a better made the story richer because of it. Uh, and I really like him. He's one of the few actors I follow on Twitter. And I he just seems like a good dude. Camille, if you ever listen to our podcast, you know. We like you, or I do. Yeah. Anyhow, I like this movie quite a bit. It's weird to say this, but I think they did a really, really solid job on taking a, I mean, a crazy heavy topic and turning it into a rom com. But I sort of started thinking about it and trying to figure out, like, is this actually a rom com? Because if you think about it, it's like an odd movie. Most of the times in this genre, the second act of the movie is the 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 unnecessary conflict. The ex girlfriend or ex boyfriend shows up or moves back to town or the the, one of the two gets a new job and maybe has to move or shudder the overheard conversation in the other room that turns out to be about two other people, but massive plot, you know, that whole thing, which I hate. So thankfully there's no extraneous plot devices to hold together. What's a nice story. And I'm going to say this lands is solidly above an eight. Like I'm not saying it's like a nine. It's just somewhere. It's like a B plus ish. Okay, that's not really fair to say it that way. Like, an eight's really good, and yeah, you get what I'm
0: saying.
1: 8.2, 8.4, somewhere in there.
0: That's awesome. so I, I I that was going to be my first question was on a scale of one to ten, wh- where do you put it? And I think for me, this creeps into the oh, almost a nine category, um, specifically because of actually you some something you said, which is that it leaned into the tropes it did, but it also appropriately stayed away from a lot of them. Yes. And and because of that, I thought it, it almost like for me, it was fine that it did some of, that it was overdone in certain areas because it missed so much of the annoying, I know that there's going to be this, this, or this. Like they really stuck to like, there's these two things happening and we're just going to do these two things. <laughs> and they right. did They did those two and I was like very appreciative of that and they did them very well. And so for that, yep. I was happy.
1: Yeah, it's, it's funny. I had this note that it's like it's like a rom com, except he's flirting with the mom in a way.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, but it's not, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like,
1: no, that's not what's going on. But in a weaker version of this, you probably have either him or the mom have that one seat drunken scene where like an accidental pass is made or something like that. Yep. And like, I'm so glad there's none of that in this movie.
0: Yeah, they stayed away from a lot of the easy stuff, which I thought was good. Okay, so here's some questions. Uh, so, first, what did you think of the pacing of this? Uh, nice. Uh, kept moving a couple
1: times. I felt it could have been a little snappier, but for the most okay. part, I thought it was pretty tight.
0: Okay, that was. I, I had a feeling. My only concern in you watching this is that it was slow. And while I think you can make an argument it was deliberately slow, I can also. There's a couple parts where I'm like, okay, we probably don't need this much of this. We could probably get through it.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I, I think it's overall told in a really good way there was i felt that the sort of the the second half of the of the final act so that as you really r- get into the two of them again um i think they could have had a bit more time there and a little less time in um walking up and down the the hospital uh corridors
0: yeah totally fair uh yeah. what did you think of the score slash soundtrack and did and do you happen to know who did Nothing.
1: Uh, I, I don't recall it. It wasn't memorable. Doesn't, I'm not saying it's bad, but it wasn't enough to stand out and be like, oh, wow, I really dig this music.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay. So it was Michael Andrews who did Donnie Darko and also does oh. all of Judd Apatow. Oh, okay. Uh, speaking of which, in the realm of things that Judd Apatow is, is associated with, where do you put, where does this rank? Would you put this in the high, high in the Apatow world or middle or low? Uh,
1: upper upper third. Definitely, okay. definitely upper third. Um. Mostly because if you look at his best work, it's when he's making really complete movies that his whole shtick or whatever, whatever he's trying to do works well in. And his worst work is when it's just the shtick. So I'm going to put this in that other, in that upper category.
0: Perfect. Uh, So two more questions. One is a leading question. One is not. Uh, How good was Ray Romano at being Ray Romano in this? Uh,
1: very good. Actually, it, did you see, he came back to Netflix with like two, I think they're like 10 minute specials or something or like 20 maybe
0: around the corner where he went to the cellar and then went, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, this made me want to go watch those again. I thought those were brilliant sets. I thought like he's, he's so good, but he did a smart thing by keeping these really tight sets. And this just reminded me Ray Romano is probably in that. I don't know if he's under, he's. Sort of more of just an underappreciated guy. He just seems like he's a good guy.
0: Yeah, so I think you nailed it because also, as you know, I'm a huge comic fan. And so the thing with with Romano is he's under, he's not underrated. He's appropriately rated by comics. He's underappreciated by people who don't know the scene because uh, comics love him. Because oh, really? he's so oh, he's so good. Yeah, he's so good. And then my last question is did I overhype this for you or not? Hmm. No, uh, no, no. I,
1: by the way, I I was actually, it's very funny. I thought it was going to be more drama, less comedy. Oh, interesting. So I didn't really know anything about the story going into it. I didn't know it was a true story or based on a true story. I actually thought this was going to be a sort of comedy because most of the time when you have a, like the dramedy category is actually just a drama with the occasional funny moment. Right. Right. If you go look at things that describe themselves as as a drama comedy, they're not. They're dramas, straight up every time. They just have more jokes than the rest, or they have a comedic actor. I thought this was going to be one of those. I thought the uh, the topic was going to be a sick, you know, twenty something immigrant couple dealing with insurance company uh, <laughs> shenanigans. So I was pleasantly re- relieved at almost every aspect of the movie. So awesome.
0: Great. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Well, yeah. glad you watched it. Glad you liked it. And I would highly uh, encourage people to go see it because Camille uh, is a favorite of mine and of many people's for good reason, even though he's now jacked and it's so weird that he's in such good shape. Like, it's so weird. He's like, because he got ready, he's like in another movie, he's coming up soon. And he's like literally like really buff and it's a very weird look for him. But we're happy for him and his lovely wife. Go see the movie. <laughs> he's one of
1: the fa- my favorite things he's ever, every time he's in Portlandia. He is amazing. Yeah. If you haven't seen there's a sketch where the town of Portlandia like didn't pay their bills or something, and he's like the utilities guy. He's like customer service at a utilities yeah. company, and just like, well, if you issue the payment, whatever, whatever the thing is, he's so good in that and so many other appearances like that. Uh, yeah.
0: Worth watching. He's great. All right. So should we get into the top five? Oh, we should. We should. Oh, We're ready. Okay. So as you may or may not remember last week, it was my turn to pick and I picked your top five favorite animated movies. Uh, So we did not put any sort of like constraints on this with the exception of that. We are talking favorite. We are not talking best. So there is room for personal interpretation here in a big way. Jeremy, how'd your list come together? Poorly. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, it suffice it to say it's a yet another category where the top tier is too good. And if I did this again in a week, I, I'm not going to say I would change all five because I don't think that's happening, but and I'll talk about a couple of them as we go, but this is a tougher category. It's, it's interesting to realize, I mean, using, using a couple of weeks ago as a comparison, comparing like the video game movies and the animated movies, how night and day you, you, cause if you knew nothing, right, if you were coming to North America from like North Korea or something where you've never seen any of our pop culture, and we were to say, I can give you some genre choices, video game movies or or animated cartoon movies, which do you think will be better? I think most people would have said the video game movies would have been better. And I think instead it's astounding how good some of these animated films really are.
0: Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I so so much so that I still don't actually have a fifth. I don't know what I'm gonna do in in real time. I'm gonna have to just pick one because I've, I'm I'm between like three. This week, without question, when we do Contender Pong later, it is my highest average Metacritic score, and it's not close. Like. Everything is in the eighties or nineties with very few exceptions. And the ones that are exceptions are like almost 80. <laughs> like there's just, there isn't any dive bombs here at all. All of them are good. It's crazy. It's, it's totally crazy. Same, same, same.
1: I did first on the Canner Reeves. So you're first on this. Okay. But uh, we have to have a Shawshank discussion.
0: Oh gosh. Totally forgot about Shawshank. I never even got there. Yeah, I guess we do.
1: Well, I prepared a little something, something. So why don't I kick it off and it gives you time to think and reorder your list four more times.
0: Yeah, the floor is yours. All right. <laughs>
1: My contender Shawshank entry is Snow White. It's perfect. And I mean, I'm sure there's a few flaws here and there. and You can pick apart a couple mm-hmm. of things, but you shouldn't. I'd happily argue Snow White was effectively the archetype for animated movies. And who knows where we would be today without it. And what I mean by that, if anyone's listening, like, of course, there would still be animated movies. I would almost go with saying, would there? Like, think about, for example, the more recent entry into movie making, uh, Shaky Cam movies. Now, we could argue that Blair Witch really kicked that off. Think about the the low-budget horror movies that are mostly just a lot of jump scares and stuff in every case especially nowadays when we have new genres popping up there's no reason to think we couldn't have had shaky cam movies in the 50s or uh, low budget horror movie well i guess there were always low budget horror movies but yep. my point being if there wasn't a snow white i could argue that the entire genre might not have started till many years later it might not have been evolved the way we have it today it might be it might, it might be like the video game movie industry of today where they're still working to to, to make quality stuff there is, you know, is Mortal Kombat, the Snow White of a movie, of video game movies. <laughs> so I'm not here to say like, oh, my God, you, you have to watch Snow White every day of your life or whatever. I'm just saying I think it is the archetype for the perfect animated film and therefore my Shawshank contender, sir. Uh,
0: very well stated. Very well said. Agree on all counts, even though I take issue with a bunch of the older Disney movies for other reasons. However, I will agree that it is Shawshank worthy um, because that was that was in the 30s. Right. That's like the first, first one. It's actually 1940 on the dot. Okay. Yeah. So. okay. So then, yeah, I think that's totally reasonable. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that as a Shawshank.
1: Thanks, buddy, because now it doesn't have to be in my top five.
0: There you go. I just gave
1: you. I just gave you one back. <laughs>
0: the only reason I said yes is because I wanted to be a good friend.
1: <laughs> and you are. And you are. So uh, I do have it down that you're first this week, so I'm going to put it on you to kick us off.
0: Okay. So I'm going to go with what I think will be my most obvious one, which is June 22nd, 2007.
1: Okay, June 22nd, 2007. Uh, I think I know what you got here.
0: Okay, I'll give you Peter O'Toole. No, oh, maybe not. Uh, I'll give you it's a ninety-six on Metacritic. I still think I know what
1: it is. I'm just I maybe I didn't realize Pierre O'Toole was in it.
0: Okay. So the, the last the trivia piece I will give you is in the country where this movie was set, it broke the record for the biggest debut for an anime for an animated movie. Is the country France?
1: It is indeed. Tell us about our food movie. Our food and rats.
0: I just couldn't love Ratatouille any more. I couldn't love this movie anymore and not like I need you to pretend it's not animated because it's still that good. Like this movie is every bit a 96%. Like if there was some way to live action this, which I hope they don't do everything. They they will just, I know it's, it's coming. It's coming. (laughs) Uh, listen, I mean, you know, the Oscar noms have been, we, we've, we've talked about this before, right? Like, I, I have brought this up in the past because of how much I absolutely adore this movie. The fact that Thomas Keller was a part of it, the fact that Bourdain loved it. Uh, the fact that they pulled this off in a time when they were doing a lot of sort of bigger name stuff, and like, it's it's Patton Oswalt and Ian Holm. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like, they didn't do the John Travolta in Bolt. You know what I mean? Like, they didn't do all of that big stuff. They literally just nailed the casting because of they needed them to be a, a particular person. This movie is so thoughtful. It's genuinely beautiful. Um, it's a love letter to food. And like food's really important to me. It's been very important to me my whole life. Uh, when you talk to chefs, which I'm very lucky to have friends in that world, it's a really hard world to live in. But like every one of them, to a T, will tell you that this movie makes them fall in love with food again. And if you can do that for people who live in that world where, again, it's a hard world. You wake up early. You put a lot of time in. Owning restaurants is brutal, man. It's just brutal. The service industry is brutal. But to watch this and to be able to accurately depict the love of food, the scene, the synesthesia scene when he puts the different flavors together and a new song comes in, like there's just all these beautiful little homages to how absolutely Transcendent food can be and how it can Break down barriers and language And moments in time it's just it really is a Love letter and I think it's so well done And I, I want I'm so happy my daughter loves it I gotta Tell you I'm so happy she loves this movie Because we cook together and it's just magic This, this movie is really pretty magical And I, I really like it
1: Wow well that was so nicely Said thanks very very nice So now I thought you only liked it because It had uh, Brian Dennehy in it I also love Brian Denny. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's crazy. Uh, no, really, really good choice. It, it was. Uh, it, it's in my pong for sure. Um, great choice. No, no issues here whatsoever.
0: I, I I appreciate that. The one nerd note. I think I said this last time, but I say it all the time. Is that uh, he doesn't actually serve ratatouille. That's the only part of this movie that gives me any pause. Is what he actually serves is a thing called confit bialdi, which is uh, thinner cut and baked. Instead of the traditional preparation, which is in a pot. And that's, that's I know good. that's super stupid, but like as a food person, that's the only, the only thing I can nitpick from this entire movie is that it should have been called Confit Bialdi, which would not have worked because of the rat thing. So I didn't get why they, they didn't do it.
1: <laughs> didn't uh, Keller create that recipe though? I think I'd read that
0: somewhere. So yeah, Keller was the supervising chef on all of the recipes. And this particular yeah. one was his his take on it. But it's not, it's, it is, it's, it wasn't a thing he created. It was a thing that already existed, but he made the particular rust before. Got it. And I,
1: by the way, I didn't know until today that Peter O'Toole was in it. That's pretty cool. He sure is. Yeah. Uh, he was in Lawrence of Arabia, which I brought up like four episodes ago and couldn't remember who I was talking about. Becca. <laughs> Good call, back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was trying to come up with a clever way to organize my list this time. I don't really have one, so I'm just going to go in some random order.
0: I'm actually, funny enough, unlike me, I'm doing the same. I don't have any good reason for why I'm doing stuff right now.
1: Then you know what? Actually, I'm going to do mine. I'm going to sort of play off yours a bit. I'll I'll switch this up a little. June 27th, 2008.
0: June 27th in 2008. Uh, Okay. Keep going.
1: You got it though, right? Because we have all the dates and all that. Yeah. I know what it is. Uh, Metacritic uh, 95. It is ranked 62nd of all time on the IMDb. It features voice talents of Fred Willard, Kathy Najimy. I did this in order to try to not give it away. John Ratzenberger, which sort of give away to some degree. I know you know what I'm talking about. So Sigourney Weaver and Jeff Garland. It's Wally. Yeah. Yeah. So look... If the question is, what's the absolute best Pixar movie, in all honesty, you are probably going to say Toy Story eight out of 10 times. You're probably going to say Ratatouille the next time. And that last time, uh, WALL-E. Or is it? Is it Incredibles? Is it Cars? I don't know. All their movies are amazing. And so I'm going to go back to where I just started and say I'm actually picking WALL-E. As what I think is the standout Pixar achievement, it's a beautiful movie. I know, I know, we all like it. It's it's rare that you're going to have a category like this. And be like, oh, I, I like all these, but I don't like Wally. Like that's just not, you know what I mean? It's it's all a question of what what bubbles up. What I think is so interesting about it is the the amount of story that they, they tell with no words. You know, it's
0: unbelievable.
1: Yeah. And then you have a protagonist who can basically not really communicate, but yet, like, not only communicates, absolutely wins your heart. Like, you are in love with Wally at some point with the movie. You know, you want him to end up with Eba, and you want all these like good things to happen. And he doesn't talk, you know. And then the other amazing thing he, that they do with the story is it's a heavy moral story. But it's actually four heavy moral stories. There's a story here about climate change. There's a story here about unfettered capitalism. There's a story here about totalitarianism. And uh, and there's a story here sort of about sloth. Um, but at the same time, at no point in the entire movie does it actually feel that heavy. Right? Like, this is the way... You want to get people to care about climate change, you make a story like this where you're not trying to beat someone over the head, don't you know? recycle every can. You're just like, well, you know, this is a possibility of what happens. And it's so nicely done. Ah, I love I, I love it. So for me, it's Wally for the win.
0: So here's what I'm going to say. Um, this is also going to stay in my top five. Okay. We're going to have to share this one because this movie is too close to perfect to not include. You're a good friend. I'll share with you. Thank you. Well, you're listen, that means that all of these animated movies we're watching are working if we know how to share. Uh, (laughs) But the thing is, so I think at some point we might maybe do like a, you know, top five animated Pixar versus non, whatever. When you talk about like the best film, the best, not favorite, but best. It's hard for me not to put Wally at the very top or at least a 1A, 1B of this, because to your point, what they were able to do with this limited conversation as they do. And I think what really lands it for me, aside from the beautiful story of that, they watched Chaplin and Buster Keaton films and that they had like 75, you know, you they have like 125,000 storyboards instead of the, the, the 75,000 they usually have forget all that stuff. The fact that they, they managed to land the message to kids without language is a triumph in filmmaking. It is a genuine triumph, and I couldn't love this movie more. I think it's a genuine masterpiece, and so for even though Johnny Ives co-designed Evie and there's a bunch of weird Apple stuff in it, that I, it makes me kind of want to, I don't know, somewhere between punch and laugh. Uh, I, I this is my number two. I'm, I'm keeping it on the list. So you're going to have to just go again because that's how much I love this movie. It's it's just so close that, to perfect.
1: That's cool. Man, did you get to say everything you'd like to say about the Wally?
0: The only thing I will say is Peter Gabriel did some beautiful work on the soundtrack, mm. original work on the soundtrack. And I love me some Peter Gabriel.
1: <laughs> Who doesn't I, right, by the way, the other, like there, there, are so many other, like I could talk about Wally a, a lot longer. I'm not going to, but uh, the one last little bit that I thought so interesting is the way they deal with the credit scene and like show more story with a completely different animation style. Yeah. And you're like, what are you guys doing here? Is there like a whole nother movie I get to watch? So
0: yeah. cool. So cool.
1: So, All right, well then, so you you stayed there. So now, post-Wally, where do I want to go? I'm going to stay in the same home of something. No, I'm not. Anyhow, here we go. June 24th, 1994. By the way, I'm pretty sure at least two of mine are going to
0: be on your list. So June 24th, 1994. Keep going. Uh, Which I would argue is enough to give it away. Uh, Metacritic of 88? It is. It is.
1: Yeah. I would actually say that that's enough information to give it away without you looking at a list of movies in front of you. Like just the year and the time and all that kind of stuff. I agree. 34th of all time on IMDb. Yep. Uh, voice talents of Rowan Atkinson, Whoopi Goldberg, James Earl Jones, Cheech, Ernie Sabella, Jim Cummings, Matthew Broderick, Nathan Lane. Did I say Whoopi Goldberg? Yeah, uh, JTT. I mean, what a cast. What music? Yeah. Elton John, like, this is like, we got all the heavy hitters. This is the money ball of making a movie, right? This is yep. the wowzers. first crazy thing. Uh, by the way, we're talking about the lion King. Right. If that was not, did we say it? Did they say it?
0: You I didn't, didn't it. but if people couldn't pick it up from all of that, I don't know then wrong podcast kids.
1: Do <laughs> you, you know that this movie was entirely created by what was referred to as the B team at Disney?
0: Did, the the yeah.
1: A-team was busy working on Pocahontas, which they thought was like the big one. Yep. And nope. It was the best-selling home video of all time, which is a record probably impossible to beat considering nobody buys home video stuff anymore. Like, you win. That's true. Uh, over 55 million copies sold. And for those who don't know it, it's mostly based on Hamlet, which is probably why the story holds up so well. So yeah. this is much here for me as nostalgia as anything else. Um, for me, it represents the entire Disney Renaissance. I could probably argue beauty and the beast is actually a better movie. Uh, by the way, I'm only talking about the, the early nineties ones, not the remakes, whatever. Um, from a pure movie storytelling perspective, I think beauty and the beast is actually probably a better movie. Aladdin has Robin Williams and probably the best batch of songs of any one of their movies. Uh, you know, Little Mermaid kicked off the whole rebirth. So I could kind of pick and choose from these movies easily. But for this week, JT, my Disney Renaissance pick is The Lion King. I could go on the whole thing about the Disney Renaissance is what birth picks are. And it's why we have some of the movies we have now and all that. Again, um, some of the flaws here, there's some like really, really underdeveloped supporting characters in this movie, like. We have like three characters that really get developed and everybody else, including all the female parts, are completely like ignored. Yeah. I'm going to give it a pass for this movie because otherwise it is so heavy and it does focus on morals and it lays it on hard. But at the same time, it's fun. It's silly and whimsical at times. The music is great. It has Whoopi Goldberg at her prime Whoopi Goldbergness. Yep. By the way, I also noticed it's kind of interesting that you have Whoopi Goldberg in one, you have Robin Williams in one, and then uh, with Aladdin, and then you have Billy Crystal in Monsters Inc., which was one of the earlier Pixars. So those three were the whole comic relief comic trio. Relief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just, I never put that together till I was putting this all together.
0: Yeah, I've never thought of that before. That's actually very funny.
1: Hmm. Now, I haven't seen the CGI remake, by the way. I, I'm, I don't know how to say this. I'm just not, I don't, I just don't care. Like, I'm not it doesn't matter to me to see another version of a movie I already know and like, uh, especially considering from everything I've read, they didn't do too much new with it. They actually were deliberately retelling the story. Uh, and because of another weird thing, I did not rewatch this with my kids. My wife put it on and everybody loved it and watched it, but we don't rewatch a lot of things for whatever reason. So I haven't probably seen Lion King since somewhere in the nineties, uh, and it made me wonder, like, is there like a whole post rewatchable phase where you saw a movie so many times, and love it so much that you're like, okay, I'm done with it. I don't, I don't actually have to see it again. Um, I don't know. Either way, Lion King rules.
0: Yeah, uh, love the Lion King. Uh, also, have not seen the new version, even though really, really want to. Specifically because Donald Glover, John Oliver, just because of those two, I feel the need yeah. to see
1: it. And Favreau, uh, you
0: know. Uh, yeah, also Favreau. So I, I. Can I be a little bit of a jerk for two seconds? Okay.
1: You can, be, you can be a little bit of a jerk for more than two seconds.
0: So common misconception that it was Hamlet. It's not Hamlet that was the inspiration, actually. It's an Assyrian Egyptian myth where Osiris is killed by his brother Seth and the rightful heir Horus is sent to exile. So it's actually, it's a, it's a layer deeper just to be a real nerd about it.
1: If we're gonna nerd out like that, I'm pretty confident we would find that Hamlet and that are probably linked also. I assume because there's definitely Hamlet elements in this movie. Like, there's no like, there's quotes. There oh yeah, there are there there
0: there's are. But I'm saying There's a skull.
1: <laughs> All right,
0: the last four. JT, tell me more. No, that was it. That that was it. I just, I'm I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised. I didn't go deep enough because by the way, this wasn't on my list, but I just happened to know this uh, because it's come up before. Um, But like, I'm sure Hamlet probably drew from that story. So they're drawing from a story that draws from a story, which inherently means it's actually drawing from the same thing. Uh, But it was just a thing because I found that at one point many moons ago. And it's a thing that has stuck with me forever because the one thing I will, uh, first of all, I'll totally agree. Lion King is a paramount movie, especially for me. I was nine when that sucker came out, man. Let me tell you. Oh, boy. I watched The Lion King a lot. A lot. Yeah. So love it. I absolutely love that movie and and haven't seen it in a long time, actually, which is interesting and funny enough, really want to see it again. But uh, I don't know. Maybe like I've gotten softer as I've gotten older, too. But like, I don't know if I want to put my four year old in front of the scene Um with the wildebeest because it's like a pretty intense scene
1: horrifying yeah
0: it's yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: horrifying i i actually by the way would argue it is the it is the uh end of disney's arc of where you know the if you look at like old disney movies um like i won't let my kids see like bambi
0: yeah they kill really on screen
1: <laughs> right And what they used to do, and it's similar actually to the old, like the old uh, Grimm's Tales and all all this where the, they would take you down, like part of the whole point of the story is to take you really far down and really feel for the characters and all that. But the old Disney way was they would take you really, really far, like really, like everything is bleak and terrible and hopeless. And then eventually they'd bring you back up a little. And I'd argue the old school, like Bambi, Dumbo, Pinocchio and all those, they didn't actually bring you back up that high lion king is the only one i think that that brings you way way up but they take you down like that is a terrible death sequence
0: yeah it's really 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 rough man and like so i haven't watched it and i I would love to watch the live action version with my daughter because it's like an excuse to watch it but it's just that seems too it's too graphic like it's she's four it's she's not there yet you know what i mean i don't blame you yeah all right uh great pick absolutely love that pick all right. So my next one will do June 19th, 2015. 2015. I will.
1: Hmm.
0: Okay. 94 on Metacritic. Oh, uh, Richard kind. Oh, I know who that is. Uh, is it Kaling. monsters you? No. Nope. Mindy Kaling, Louis black. Oh, uh,
1: is this inside out? Inside yeah, Out. Yeah, you love Inside Out. Love Inside Out. I do. I only saw it for the first time pretty recently.
0: I know. So I'm not going to go super deep on this one just because I have – I you you afforded me the luxury of doing this once already, so I'm not going to do it twice. <laughs> uh, this movie is brilliantly put together. It received an eight-minute standing ovation at its world premiere in Cannes. That's how good this movie is. Wow. Like, forget that it's – again, forgetting it's animated. It just happens to be animated. Uh, it's a movie that I think is important to show your kids because – Even as adults, emotions are hard. Understanding how to actually operate inside of your emotions are hard. Balancing your emotions are hard. And accepting that there is fail points and that you have to work through them like as just yourself is a really hard thing to figure out. And I think being able to tell that story to kids is really important and doing it in a fun, but also really, really meaningful and really sweet way with Riley's story I just think is incredible from a movie standpoint. The only thing which I think I said last time, I imagine I had to have, there is no antagonist whatsoever. That is such an amazing accomplishment in film to have zero antagonist in a movie that is definitely for kids and pull it off brilliantly. I just think is really, really special and it's really cool and I love this movie and I couldn't not have it in my top five. I think it's a great pick.
1: All right. So I have three left to go. This is where it gets trickier for me. I got to be honest. I have mine written down, but I, I think much like you, I could have flipped some stuff around. September nineteenth, nineteen forty-one. Oh boy. Okay. A Metacritic of ninety-six. Okay. The cast includes Leopold Stokowski. Oh, this is Fantasia.
0: It is. <laughs> oh, I have this. Okay, I I love this. Oh, I'm so happy you picked this because I wasn't going to. Oh, please, Jeremy, the floor is yours.
1: Well, you know, it's. I'm not going to talk very long about this uh, because Fantasia is sort of not a movie. It's uh, it's it's like it's like an experience or something. It's it's a film festival. It's an art project. It's it's an exhibition. It's not a movie. Right? It's and I don't it's not a film, it's not a movie, it's none of those things. It's about it it is a bunch of short stories that are connected and all that and have some arcs to them. But it's it is it, it's a work of art. It's it's a work, it's moving art and, and all of the things that you want art to do. I think Fantasia does and did. I don't think you'll ever see something like this again, even though you've got a lot of cool experimental films happening with a Use animation movie, but not something that is as beloved as as Fantasia is that Opened up minds the way Fantasia did, and also burned images into anyone's brain who has any love for this movie. Like, if you can hear the sorcerers, if, if you cannot picture, like,
0: yeah, that's enough
1: right there. One hundred percent of the people haven't. You, you can't. If you do not have Mickey Mouse wearing a wizard suit, holding buckets or some, or conducting, or it's something in that moment, um, we need to have a word. Cause I'm pretty sure that's a universal image. It's my biggest concern actually is that that's not going to live on. Right. Cause I don't know. I think we showed it to the kids. I don't know if they cared or got into it. It's really hard because of the pacing compared to modern stuff. Like, you know, I haven't taken them to the symphony yet either. Of course, now you can't take them to anything, but you know what I mean? (laughs) Right. So I love Fantasia. Um, It's, it's beautiful. And uh, that's all I want to say.
0: Yeah, I adore this pick. Uh, I have watched it with my daughter and we have actually I said to my wife that this was going to be a thing that we would do uh, every Christmas. We would just watch this like this huh. will be a tradition because you can kind of have it on in the background. But yeah, like there are not only certain stores, but there are moments in music that I hear other times that will bring me to Fantasia. Like it really nice. is. It, it really did set the course. Uh, I love this pick. This is a great pick.
1: You know, and and I'm glad you brought up what you just did because much like Die Hard, it's a Christmas movie.
0: It's a Christmas movie, 100 for
1: sure. Same same level of Christmasness as Die Hard.
0: 100, totally agree. Yep,
1: yep, yep. Cool. What's next?
0: Okay, so I have two left. So my next. Do you need one... a moment.
1: Do you need me to stretch it out a little. Are you still? No. You want to roll a die?
0: I'm, so I'm good. So I'm. I am. I doing a this coin. Thing. No, this is, I'm doing this one on the fly because I know my last one and I know my last one's not going to be on your list. <laughs> uh, so this one I'm going to do was November
1: 23rd, 2016. Go on. Oh. Okay. Are we doing,
0: is this another Pixar movie? It is. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so eighty-one on Metacritic. Uh, I can give you if I give you almost anybody, it's over. Do you know what it is yet?
1: Um, I don't know if you give me somebody. Should I say you're welcome?
0: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that would be it. Yeah. So it's Moana. So I have three that I'm stuck between, and I literally, as I said in the beginning of the podcast, that I was going to figure out on the fly, and because of Snow White being the Shawshank, which I agree with, which I agree with. Uh it's going to make me pick Moana and I'll tell you very specifically why. So
1: otherwise this pick would have been Snow White.
0: No, otherwise this pick would have been something completely different and not Pixar. Interesting. But the reason that this is a favorite and this is going to be a, this is about to be a real dad thing, like a hardcore dad thing. Uh this movie in particular my daughter loves, but more specifically, it solved the issue that I have had with Disney for a very, very long time—a uh, thing that I blamed a lot of my dating life on uh, prior to meeting my lovely wife, which is setting horrible expectations for young women and how they what what they expect to happen for them in their world. So the reason that I love Moana and the reason that I'm going to put it as my favorite is because it ushered in the era of self-sufficient, not relying on anyone else. You are the hero of your own story for, for little girls.
1: So it was going to be frozen instead.
0: It was, it was going to be frozen. Yeah, it was, it was either frozen or Moana, or there's a one that I'll talk about in Pong, which is just sort of a flyer, but listen, Moana, great soundtrack, beautiful movie, like visit visually beautiful movie stories with the one glaring exception of the ocean should just put the heart of Tafiti back in the heart of Tafiti movie I mean, over. It,
1: it's a major <laughs> problem with the plot. Like the <laughs> yeah, water yeah, can get to the thing and the water can move a thing. So the water can move the thing to the thing. They yeah. Should have yeah, had yeah. The, the final destination be on an Island. That's all they had to do.
0: That's it. Yeah. yeah that was that's it. it. Yeah. So the thing with, the reason that it, it, the reason that it comes in over frozen is because I do love frozen and that the sisters needed to save each other. Like there's a spoiler alert, by the way, I hope you've seen frozen. Like that's, that is <laughs> Frozen's re- like 10 years old. Yeah. It's from, it's from 2013. I don't feel bad. So the only thing with frozen is that frozen did have the, even though they subverted from it in the end, it still had the two boy subplot, right? There were right. still, there still two active love stories. Right. And it's like, No, I don't want that. What I like about Moana is it's like, she is the hero. She is like, she's it. She's the whole thing. The guy was actually a bummer and was the worst and had to be brought around by this amazing young woman. Like more stories like that. Because the whole night in shining armor, you will be saved by some dude, horrible president to set. Like even what you said, didn't develop the characters in the movies that didn't specifically draw on the a, a man will save you. They still never bothered to like empower these women. They were always like right. helpless, hapless creatures that were dainty and, and protected. Like Moana was like, you know, you will board my boat. Like, yeah, right. that's what I want. That's the energy I want my daughter to grow up with. So for that right. reason, as a father, this movie slides into my top five.
1: Well done. And I, uh, I had frozen m- One of my last calls was frozen or Fantasia. Uh, and the, and what it came down to is, in a similar way is frozen was winning the whole time spe- specifically from the perspective of wanting uh, an entry with a strong female lead. And then when I kind of got to that end point, I was like, you know, I've got to pick the movie that meant more to me. Yep. Um, but I like I like Frozen a lot. Uh, Adele Adele Nazim was great in it. Yeah. <laughs> so I have I have two left to do. All right, I'm doing the one on my list that I think would probably be the most surprising entry to anybody. Maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. December fourteenth, two thousand eighteen. Whoa! A Metacritic score of eighty-seven. Sixty seventh of all time on IMDb.
0: Wait, what? What? December fourteenth, twenty eighteen. Uh huh. Oh, I do know what this is. Okay, I love this. Yeah, let's go.
1: Voice talents: Shamik Moore, Chris Pine, Liv Schreiber, Nick Cage, Zoe Kravitz, Jake Johnson, Lily Tomlin, Mahershala Ali, and Haley Sta- Steinfeld. Steinfeld. Wow, another yeah. amazing cast.
0: Uh, and the movie is Spider Man into the Spider Verse. That's right. Uh, you missed my favorite. Th- you missed my favorite cast member. You didn't say John Mulaney. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I didn't remember. Yeah, there's there's like there's him. I love him too actually. Uh, you know that you know that uh, when he was doing this, um, nobody had told him at first what the rating would be. So and he was allowed to ad lib. So he had made all these like uh, racy jokes and stuff, and he was having a blast. You know, there's a lot you could do with Spider Ham. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then someone came along. It's like, yeah, we're going for PG.
0: He's like, okay. I didn't know that, but that's phenomenal. Also, that was a very good John Mulaney okay right then.
1: <laughs> I think that's the only John Mulaney I can do. <laughs> you nailed I'm, it. I'm gonna, and I'm not doing it again. So if I ever need to do it again, I'll just find that recording. Okay, perfect. So here's here's my thoughts here. I, it's, I, I think it's actually utterly groundbreaking. Um, in fact, other than like Toy Story and oddly Trolls, and yeah, Trolls makes this cut in a weird way. I'd say that the, the three movies I just named, Spider-Verse, Trolls, and uh, Toy Story, brought more newness to animated movies in the past like 40 years than anything else at all. Uh, Toy Story is obviously CGI. Trolls was bringing textures. Like, If you haven't watched Trolls, the movie is okay. Um, actually, it, it's fun. My, we've, we've, we've enjoyed it as a family. But what's so great about it is using CGI and showing like wool and threads and strand, and they look so gorgeous. Yeah, Spider Verse. uh, I can make the argument this is the first ever comic book movie because it's a comic book as a movie. It feels like you're reading a comic book, has, and it's come to life. It's amazing. It's it's a special movie because the soundtrack is amazing. Like it takes, it it doesn't just cross genres. For the sake of crossing genres, it it sets itself straight in in um, Miles Morales's Brooklyn universe of 2018, where he's hearing old school hip hop and modern pop rock and folk music and hardcore hip hop. Like it doesn't that because that's what, for lack of a better phrase, kids today are exposed to. You know, kids of my generation. Rap and hip hop is a, is its own cat. Like all these things are, are are their own spaces and categories. What's so great about this movie is the way they blend it together. It's the same way they blend together the visuals and and so many other elements. Um, it's got a great story. It's got good jokes. Lots of fun interplay with pop culture. The way they reference every other Spider Man movie is amazing. Um, the alternate universe stuff. I only, like. I was trying to find a list of all of the things. I'm sure it's out there somewhere. My favorites that I saw were: uh, they have the Red Man Group, they have Planet Inglewood, the restaurant chain.
0: Because <laughs> in this,
1: by the way, which I went and read about, this universe Inglewood is is the big place where they make movies, not Hollywood. Um, there's the PDNY and there's Coca Soda, <laughs> which are some of my favorites. Now I haven't seen it, but apparently they released a Blu-ray edition with an additional 23 minutes of footage that is called the alternate universe mode. And it has a whole different entry and has different plot points and different minor characters. Like it's a whole second version of the same movie. Oh wow. So I kind of feel like I have to go. I only learned about that over the past couple of days. So yeah, Spider-Man into the spider
0: verse. Uh, love this. Love this for a lot of reasons. Had it on my pond list. Wasn't going to make my top five, but um, I agree with you. I think what's gonna uh-huh. happen is I think maybe ten years from now, we will look back on that as a transformative movie. Yeah. Like because I think it opened up a world, no pun intended, because of the whole verse thing, but I think it opened up a world to filmmakers to do things that they weren't doing before. Um, similar to the other examples that you gave. Uh yeah, absolutely think that's a great pick. I really, really, really like it. I've been surprised at how rewatchable it is. I've caught it once or twice on an HBO and been like, yeah, all right, let's do this again. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's really, really, really well done. And there's also lots of little stuff in it. There's lots of, like you were just saying, there's all these little moments that if you watch again, because like now you sort of understand the universe more, it really kind of does invite you in. It's really cool, man. It's just really, it's a really neat, neat film. Have you ever heard, I'm going to assume you have it. Have you heard of an animator named
1: Ralph Bakshi? No. So he's probably most well-known for two things. In the early 90s, a movie called Cool World, which had a very young Brad Pitt. I've seen he Cool World. It was thing. also a really cool video game
0: on yeah. Super Nintendo.
1: <laughs> so there's that. He also did a version of Lord of the Rings in the late 70s. And part of his whole thing was creating these layers between real world and animated worlds. And it was this weird kind of hybrid blend thing that was interesting. To your point, um, he didn't he didn't succeed at building out that genre, but I could argue that hopefully Spider-Verse might just pull that one off.
0: Mm. I hope so. It's neat, man. It's neat. Cool. Okay. So my last one, this one, I think you're going to guess straight away just because I've talked about it before. So I think you might know it's coming, but uh, November 18th, 1988, This has my, this is the aggressively lowest Metacritic score of anything, but it's only because I think not a lot of people have seen it. Uh, it's a 58% on Metacritic.
1: Oh, this is your, uh, I know what this is. Uh, it's not Black Cauldron. It's uh, uh, it's about a dog or something. Oliver and Company.
0: Oliver and Company.
1: Yeah. Well, it's so funny. The- I have one movie here from 1988 on my Pong list. I'm like, there's no way he's about to pick that with that description. <laughs>
0: Uh, Yeah, so this movie is very important to me, and I absolutely love it. I mean, so Joey Lawrence, Billy Joel, Cheech Marin, Richard Mulligan, Roscoe Lee Brown, Dom DeLuise, uh, Bette Midler, Frank Welker, like very, very, yeah, it's a really big cast. Uh, So one of the coolest things I found out about this, so the animators actually shot photos of New York streets for reference, and they used cameras set 18 inches off the ground, so they actually got a dog's point of view for the entire film, which is kind of neat. That's cool. Uh, it was the first Disney film to have its own department set up expressly for the person, the purpose of generating computer anim- animation, which I thought was really neat. All the choreography is uh, based off of Bob Fosse, which is uh, yep. Fosse famous. Also, Fosse. Okay. If nothing else, Fosse. also if you haven't seen the Birdcage, you do Fosse, Fosse, Fosse. Yeah, yeah. Which is one of a great scene. Love scenes. the Fosse. Love the love Fosse. The- uh, so like many Disney films, the pre- the video, or this came out in 1988. It didn't make it to video release until 96, which is I sort of blame as part of the reason more people didn't see it. Like it just, it disappeared for eight years. Like it just wasn't a thing. It was in the uh, Disney it, vault. It was in the vault. It was in the vault. Uh, I pulled this one little fact out for you before I tell you why I love it. Uh, it was the first animated film to be dubbed into Quebecois. Huh. Which I thought was kind of neat. Huh. Uh, so neat. I had no idea. It's just the thing. I'm like, Oh, that's kind of, that's cool. I didn't know that. So very quickly, I'm not going to belabor this because most people haven't seen it. Uh, story about a little cat who meets a dog and makes his own family. It means a lot to me. I watched it a ton as a kid. It is a beautiful rendition of New York. Little, little trivia here. Uh, it's one of the only movies that has a front on shot from the world trade centers. So uh, when 2001 went down, this movie kind of had like a little bit of a resurgence because it re- New York is a big character in this movie, a big, big character. So listen, soundtrack, check. New York City, check. Dogs, check. Like <laughs> this movie just has things I like, right? It's got Billy Joel and Bette Midler. I still sing a lot of these songs to myself on a regular basis. Like the soundtrack alone is worth a listen. It's also just a really sort of like I don't know, it's a fun moment in time because it didn't have the big production. 88 wasn't, this, is what, this wasn't after the Renaissance for Disney, right? Like this is still kind of in their, we're, we're getting there phase. And it was a little bit different than the other ones because it was set in like a real life scenario, right? It's about this little orphan cat, like trying to find his way in the mean streets of New York. And there's just a lot of me that identified with this as a kid. And still, by the way, I've watched it many times since. It holds up for me. Like it's not a movie where I go, oh man, we're at a moment in time. Uh, also like Dom DeLuise as a voice is great. There's just lots of like little stuff that feels in, it feels like old New York. Uh, but I love it. And I wish more people would see it. And I'm going to keep talking about it until more people do. Because I actually think it's a lot of fun. It's also like a good like your kids could watch it movie because it's not scary. Like it's not there. It doesn't have any of the big scary stuff.
1: I love it. Uh, maybe I'll actually watch it with them. I'll you should. JT, JT said we should watch it. Please do. Nicely said, sir. I, I, I know you've been dying to talk about that movie sooner or later. So did you pick <laughs> the category just to give yourself a platform to talk about Oliver and company?
0: Sure did. <laughs> I won't
1: think any less of you. Sure did. <laughs> well done. Well done. I, uh, I will have to follow that uh, at some point. All right. For my final entry, before we go into pong, uh, we have March 28th, uh, 2001. Well, okay. this is tricky Okay, the movie was made in 2001. Its release was in 2003, which don't, won't help you any unless you know what movie I'm talking about. Metacritic score of 96. It is the highest ranked, I believe, animated film of all time on IMDb at 27th, ahead of Lion King and WALL-E and others, which most people don't know. The voice cast includes Suzanne Plachet from New Heart. Have you ever seen New Heart? No. Should see Newhart?
0: Probably not. You probably shouldn't see Newhart. It was a show. (laughs) There were several shows. Bob Newhart. Oh, Bob Newhart. Okay, Newhart. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For some reason, I wasn't hearing it like that. I know what you're talking about now. Okay.
1: So Stan Pleschet, David Ogden Steers He was the clock in uh, in uh, Beauty and the Beast. Um, Lauren Holly, Michael Chiklis, and John Ratzenberger.
0: So I actually don't have this. Is this the original Toy Story? Nope. But it is Pixar because so, it's
1: It's not Pixar. I, I put him he he is a voice in it, but I only said him on purpose so you'd think Pixar. This is uh this is the first here here will be the final clue. Uh it is the first anime film to win an Academy Award, and it is the first oh. foreign movie to win best animated movie.
0: Is this Spirited Away? It is. Okay. So I have a I have a confession, I've never seen this. Ooh, you should. I know. So, this, I know I have to see. it. I really do have to actually watch this. Uh, so this is
1: just a weird, wonderful story. I have not seen all of the Studio Ghibli work. I've got to be honest about that. Uh, I have no excuse for not having seen it all because I should have seen it all and we should all have seen it all because it's amazing. Uh, I think a lot of people would argue that Princess Mononoke or Totoro would stronger stories, uh, but there's something very special about Spirited Away, in my opinion. I think the pacing of the movie is amazing because there are times where it is as slow as molasses. And when you watch, you be like, oh my goodness, is this slow? And then there are moments though, in those slow times where you're like, it's actually, actually, this isn't slow at all. It's fine. It's totally right. And then when the story starts moving, it's racing fast. And then it can pause to all of a sudden appreciate a moment. And I've watched it a few times and it is one of the first movies where I ever actually have an allegory for the movie in my own head. Like most of the times I watch a movie and someone's like, oh, did you know that's really about, you know, the protests in Afghanistan in 1907? I'm like, I didn't know that was a thing. This is one of the first movies I watched. I'm like, I think I know what this is about. And by the way, I did not research this to validate if I'm right or wrong because it's my own little thing. So in my eyes, Spirited Away is is youth personified. This is a story about being young and about that journey. It's about innocence, it's about playfulness. It's about unintended con- and unexpected consequences, and then having consequences be potentially horrifying. There's surprise, there's fear. It is not a clean movie. It is not, it, it's childhood, it's messy. And so the, the pacing I just brought up, it's actually exactly right. And this is what sort of validated my own theory, which again, I might be totally wrong about, but you know, kids get tired and everything's going slowly. And if you think about being in school as a child and some of the more boring topics, whatever they were for you, everything was slow as could possibly be. But then all of a sudden you're having a fun time and everything's racing around in the burst of energy. And so this to me is like, it's somewhere between like a kid's journey out of childhood into adolescence mixed into being a daydream. And I just absolutely love it. So Princess Mononoke, great. My, all of them great. But Spirited Away is, like, up there for me.
0: Fair enough. Uh, I know I have to see it. I really want to see it. I had no idea John Ratzenberg was in it, which is very interesting. And so I will move this towards that. That's
1: the thing? That's the thing that's going to get you to see it? It wasn't the Academy Award. It's John Ratzenberger.
0: No, no, no. Yeah, Cliff. First of all, I love Cliff. Uh, (laughs) No, I just didn't know. That was, like, that really threw me off. Like, that was a very good leading... Sort of tip from you because I was like, What what Pixar movie did I miss? I'm like, What is this? Uh I was uh, like, because like Toy Story 2, I think, came out in that time frame because the original was in 99, I think. So I was like, okay, maybe he's going with the second one instead of the first one, which is interesting. But yeah, listen, I Spirit thought Away, Toy
1: Story would be on your list, by the way.
0: Yeah, it's not. Uh the Spirit Away is one of those movies that I have had so many people like tell me, you've seen it, right? And I'm like, no. And everyone's like, How is that possible? And I just—it's just one of those things that I, I just haven't had a chance to sit down with it yet, and I need to. And so I will—I will make a point to do so now. Because especially if, if it makes your top five, looking at all the other movies, I know you now have left off your list in Pong. I'm like, okay, this has got to—this has got to get up there.
1: The Pong list is difficult too. Um, I by the way, I would—I would say at this age, I don't think it's right for Lennon yet. I think you should give it a watch first. Uh, okay. Only because I don't know her and movies and all that. Like one of my yeah. kids gets freaked out just about anything, which is fine. <laughs> um so give it a watch just so you can ground yourself as to what to expect and if it's right like when i showed it to sam at age i want to say 11 he really really dug it um okay yeah uh i think it's time uh to play a little pong let's do a little pong you want uh to kick this, us off
0: yeah so this week we'll we'll do a game again let's do title date voice actor
1: yeah but not the title because that's the p- thing we're trying to guess
0: Right. So I said don't, title. Don't for the say th- the title part. For no reason. So let's <laughs> do. I'll, I'll. So I'm just going to jump all over the place. Yeah, go. Well, I'm going to give you one you just did. So June 21st, 2019.
1: 2019. I got nothing. Annie Potts. Annie Potts.
0: Mm. Toy Story 4, specifically the fourth one. Didn't see it. Yeah, I know. You no. knew
1: that, jerk. I know. Uh, <laughs> 2014,
0: Will Arnett. Oh, Lego movie. Correct. Yeah, I really like that one. Uh, October 29th, 1993, Catherine O'Hara. Nope, no
1: idea. Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, I had that on my list. I just had Danny Elfman as the voice I was going to use. Yeah, Yeah. it's
0: also good. (laughs) All
1: right, 2003, French people.
0: 2003, French people. Yeah. Oh gosh, I don't know. Triplets of Belleville. Oh, never saw
1: that? it. No. Oh, put It's a crazy movie.
0: Okay, I will.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh let's do November twenty second, by the way, all
1: very close to my top five. Like that that was like way up there.
0: Yeah, I've heard I've heard really, really good things, but just it's again one of those things I haven't seen. Uh November twenty second, twenty seventeen, Benjamin Bratt. Uh that's Coco. Yes, it is. Uh 1988, uh, a
1: bunch of Japanese people. That was my 1988
0: one. Grave of the Fireflies, Akira. Ah, Akira,
1: to be a bit closer to correct.
0: I want. To, have you seen Grave of the Fireflies? I have not. You should. Okay. <laughs> also <a> Japanese film. <laughs> and funny enough, not on my list, but I'm pretty sure that was. It's definitely in that time frame. Uh, let's do uh, June 22nd, 1955, Barbara Luddy. <laughs>
1: Uh, it's not Bambi. Um, Pinocchio, no, it's too late for that. Lady and the Tramp, Lady and the Tramp, okay. 1999, Vin Diesel. Oh, no,
0: I actually don't know. I have no idea. Mm, I have no idea.
1: Your friends are going to be disappointed. This is your wheelhouse, sir.
0: Is it really? the Iron Giant? I never saw Iron Giant. Ah. So that's so funny when – because again, as as always, as always done this, as always when I do this, like I didn't really look anything up. I just did my list and then very quickly went and said, okay, did I miss anything egregious? And right. the two movies that were on there were Iron Giant and Big Hero 6, neither of which I've actually seen. Oh, so Hero I was like, 6 oh, man. Awesome, right? Well, so that's funny enough. I started watching it with Lennon, but it was a little too, little too intense. Little All right, bad. let's do May 29, 2009, Christopher Plummer.
1: Um, that's up. Yes, it is. Uh, 2016 with Charlize Theron. I have no idea. Kubo and the Strange. Oh, Kubo.
0: Yeah. Uh, that was beautiful. beautiful. I totally about that. Yeah. Real Strange. I'll, I'll do 2016. Also, March 4th with Jason Bateman.
1: Nope. My only other 16 was Moana, which you already talked about. Zootopia. Really good flick. Oh, right. Yeah, no, I see. I saw it in theaters. It was great. great. Really good flick. Really, really good. Um, 2015, Justin Fletcher. Who you don't know because he's like a voice actor.
0: Yeah, I have no idea what this is. Shaun the Sheep.
1: Oh, I didn't see that. Was it good? It's great. And the whole cartoons, which I can't remember which service they're on. If, you're, if your daughter's not watching them, just put them on. It's amazing. Okay.
0: I'll do that. Uh, June uh, show 21st. before
1: the movie, how much the show before the movie?
0: Okay, June 21st, 1988, Bob Haskins, Roger Rabbit, which yeah. I wasn't,
1: to be honest, might have made top five. I was, I had ruled it out.
0: I couldn't decide if it was animated or not, it was weird. That was the mm. I, I had a similar sort of deal, but anyway, it's fair.
1: I'll allow it. Okay, uh, 2000, also Justin Fletcher.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know, Chicken Run. Oh, Chicken Run was fun. I forgot about Chicken Run. Oh, that was fun. Okay, let's do March 26, 2010, Gerard Butler. No idea. How to Train Your Dragon.
1: Oh, yeah. Never saw that. That was suggested to me, but I haven't seen it yet. It's really good. Uh, Sorry, I forgot this one because it was actually my last next choice for my top five. Uh, May 18, 2001. Let's use Cameron Diaz as a voice. Shrek? Yes.
0: Yeah, Shrek's pretty good.
1: Almost top five.
0: So both Shrek and the Lego movie ruined it for me because they went too far. I wish they stopped because the first ones were good and then they got progressively worse as they went on.
1: Mm, I don't include sequels to judge, but let's go
0: on. That's fair. Uh, Let's do November 2nd, 2001, Billy Crystal.
1: Monsters, Inc. Yes. Uh, 1977, Bob Newhart for the second
0: time today. Mm, 77. I don't know. The Rescuers. Oh, oh wow. That definitely wasn't on my list. Uh, I'll, I'll just do one more because we talked about it earlier, but I want to make sure we, it, it does come up Is November 25th, 1992 Gilbert Gottfried. Oh, that's a lot. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. Sorry. Beauty and the Beast Aladdin. like all of that. I've already just done the, they. Yeah, we, we already sort of said them. I don't yeah. think, I don't think we, if we've said this already today, I forgot. I apologize. 2010, Steve Carell.
0: 2010, Steve Carell. No. Wait. Despicable Me. Despicable Me. Right, right, right. Yeah. It's cute. It is cute. He was also, I just watched a movie. What's the, I'm going to forget the name. Over the Hedge is with him and Bruce Willis and Ben Folds 5 does the entire album. It's actually like a really cute movie and I forgot it's a really cute movie. Doesn't belong on the list. I'm good to stop. I I have more, but I think it's, you know, we are well, we're we're heading towards the hour and a half mark. Is there anything else you need to bring up to feel satiated?
1: yeah I had to I have to say 1977's uh, version of the Hobbit has a special place in my memory oh, 1977's secret of NIM has a special place in my memory yep uh, I had a, a sh- and I had a shout out to all the movies we've named but we forgot about uh, Paddington 2014 which I thought was also quite well done although I heard Paddington 2 was like amazing so yep. probably probably worth watching
0: so I've not seen the first or the second, but I was very surprised because the second one has a hundred percent on Rotten yeah. Tomatoes.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. My daughter vouches heavily. All right. So next week you ready for what we got.
0: I'm ready. Tell me all about it.
1: It's not actually that this, this is a straight category. This is like, uh, cause I felt I was going off into La La Land a few times, not the movie. Uh, next week we will do the top, top five heist or con movies. So specifically con, like confidence games, not just a twist where somebody would surprise somebody, somebody is pulling a con on somebody else or heisting something from somebody somewhere somehow.
0: Interesting. I like it. Okay. Thank you very much. I got a couple running to the top of my head already. So that's <laughs> I'm good. sure you do. Yeah.
1: Well, this has been a fun list.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I think what we learned, if nothing else, is that uh, animated movies are really good. <laughs>
1: You know, that and the occasional singular shoe.
0: (laughs) It's just one shoe. Just Just one one. shoe. Just one shoe. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, as always, this is fun. Jeremy, you're the best. Thank you, everybody, for joining us, and thanks for letting us be your one.